Hello listeners and welcome to my podcast, Humanitarian, The Real Michael Jackson. My name's Paul Dwyer and I'm your host. I want to take a minute to thank you guys for listening and supporting these stories. I also want to remind you to please subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube or wherever you listen or watch the podcasts. We want these stories to reach as many people as possible, so please feel free to share on your social medias. And if you or anyone you know has a first-hand experience of Michael Jackson's humanitarian efforts, reach out to me at one of my social media accounts, Humanitarian MJ or Mr. Paul DeWire. Also, guys, if you follow my socials, you might have seen me asking for your vote in the Australian Podcast Awards. If you're enjoying the podcast, please go to australianpodcastawards.com and vote for Humanitarian, the real Michael Jackson. Now, today's episode is a little different to the usual theme of Michael Jackson helping sick children or underprivileged families or charity groups, but it's a fun, unique story that is still based around kindness. I hope you enjoy episode 10 of the Humanitarian MJ podcast, A Simple Act of Kindness with Joseph Yenish. I've helped many, many, many children, thousands of children all over the world, cancer kids, leukemia kids. He's a humanitarian. 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 The real Michael Jackson. Hello. Hello, Joseph. How you doing? Doing good. Um, I don't know if you know about my book, Humanitarian, The Real Michael Jackson. Have you heard of that? I do. I do, actually. You know about it. It's all about the humanitarian efforts of Michael Jackson. Um, I know your story isn't about um, sick kids or illnesses, but I still wanted to chat with you because I thought it was still uh, an act of kindness and um, something positive that we could talk about and something fun, I think, a very unique story. Um, something a bit of fun and I'd like to know more anyway personally about your story Um, so I'd love to go back I suppose and and if you could tell us uh, when you became a Michael Jackson fan when you discovered him oh well I think it was weird because back when I was young um, which was I just turned 50 so if you think about it, Michael Jackson, every time Michael Jackson released an album, it was at a pivotal moment in my life, right? So the first record I ever bought, graduating high school, graduating college, there was always an album to kind of mark uh, pinnacle events in my life. But but ironically, when I was kind of at that age where people are starting to discover the kind of music that they like, I was kind of, and maybe it was around the influence around me. It was very sort of rock and roll. It was, it was a lot of the rock bands of the eighties, right? Think sort of like Van Halen, Led Zeppelin, you know, um, uh, Def Leppard. And it wasn't really until I, um, I mean, I had purchased Michael Jackson Thriller again. It was one of the first albums that I bought, but I'd wrapped myself in this sort of rock, rock and roll world. And I remember winning tickets to the bad concert, uh, uh, when I was in when I was in high school, and because I won those tickets, I went and I saw this concert. I mean, I re- always appreciated, obviously, Michael Jackson. But when I went to go see the concert, I guess I just 
my jaw dropped, you know, for two and a half hours. And it would one of the, it was the first concert I ever gone to as well. So I didn't even know that there was like an encore, right? So he sings, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the set list of bad, but he sings uh, the way you make me feel. The crowd gets excited. It feels like it's the end of the concert and I'm starting to walk out. I'm sorry. He sings bad. He's starting to walk out. And all of a sudden you hear the, um, that, that, and I'm almost left the stadium and, and you hear that beat <laughs> the way you make me feel. So I came back, but anyway, I bring it up because that was the moment where I like kind of transitioned into like this hardcore, like rock and roll or into like a huge, huge, uh, Michael Jackson fan. So that's when the uh, ideation started, idolization started anyway. And uh, when I was um, preparing, I had just graduated college and I was um, preparing my real life, you know, my my new job, my new career. And I had about three weeks sort of um, uh, before like ending college and starting my new job. And I and uh, Michael was playing. He hadn't toured in the U.S. in a while, so I hadn't seen him since back in 1988. Um, and he was touring in the U.K. Um, at Wembley Stadium. And I had the, and it was during that that pinnacle, you know, couple of weeks before I started my new life. And um, I decided to just get 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 tickets um, and head over to London. And when I was there, um, you know, the the sort of fandom is very different or it was at the time in Europe than it was in the U S so going to London and before the concert and going to his, his hotel um, you know, there are thousands of people just waiting him, waiting for him to walk out. Right. you can imagine yep. at the time, actually he was with um, Lisa Marie Presley and she was also at the hotel. So there were lots of, lots of activity, right. Both from, from the cameras and the, and the press and, and all the fans. So he comes out and all of a sudden, there's like a seat, like a sea of like, feels like thousands of people like, like charging towards his motorcade. Right. So he gets in the car and people are banging on the, on the, on the windows. You can't get out. And I, and I, and I'm like looking at this kind of like, it's weird, but I kind of got caught up in it. So I winded up, um, you know, joining, <laughs> joining the others. And I don't know what happened. I, I got pushed. I don't know. I tripped. I don't even know. But next thing I know, I'm like pinned underneath the car that that michael's in and the car um winds up on my leg while in the street and when i say on my leg the car's got fans in the front so he can't move forward got fans in the back it can't move so it was literally on my leg i would say for a good 45 seconds before it could actually move oh my god um, so you know it finally moves the next thing i know the ambulance is coming to get me and uh um, I'm carted away to the, to the, to the local hospital. And, you know, the next thing I know, I have all these, like, um, like the tabloids at the time, they were like it, literally in the waiting room. Like, hey, do you know what just happened? Hey, do you want to, they're like offering me money to tell my story. Like, I'm going to say something bad, wow. Like you can tell like they, that's all they wanted to hear. Right. Yeah. So next thing I know, like it's such a long time ago, to be honest, but the next thing I know, I'm getting a call from. Jonathan Morris, I don't know if you know that name, but Jonathan Morris was the head of communications at Sony Records in London, and I think responsible for all of Europe. And he was a close friend with Michael. I'd heard about what happened, and apparently, but uh, yeah. the next thing I had a call, I said Michael's very concerned about what happened, and he would really like 
to meet with you. So we actually went to his hotel room. I had dinner with uh, a few of the MJ sort of fan club kind of um, leaders on, you know, a couple of names that you may or may not know, but the next thing, and Jonathan's there and I'm supposed to meet Michael in the hotel room. And uh, we were just told, um, we were just told that he was not available. He wanted to see me at, at the concert. So okay. we arranged it the next night that I was going to go backstage at Wembley um, and meet Michael. And it was, I got to tell you, I, it was the most amazing um, sight that I had ever seen because to get to Michael's dressing room, literally this is 10 minutes before showtime, 10 minutes before he pops up on the history tour, does this thing. I had to walk across Wembley stadium, uh, the stage. And I'm literally wow. looking at, I think it, 85, I don't know what the number is of, wow. of, of the stadium. I'm walking by and I'm, because it's, again, it's five to 10 minutes before showtime. So you can imagine that they know Michael's about to come. So the audience is pumped. They're screaming his name. And I'm walking across this and I'm seeing the sight that this man got, got to see for, you know, 20 years of his life every time he got on stage. And it was deafening. And it was, it was the kind of sight that I'll, that I'll never forget. But anyway, I get to, yeah. I finally get to his dressing room. And uh, there, by the way, there's a, there's a U.S. Um, um, TV show that's following me during this whole event that I agreed okay. to participate. Um, yep. And um, so they're following me. This, you know, George Lucas is in the back. I'm talking to oh, some wow. famous people. Um, and I go and I'm sitting in front of his dressing room. Lisa Marie walks out. And then um, someone basically said, Joe, Michael's ready for you. So I literally walked in and uh, I had, you know, this good few minutes with, him i'm on my crutches if you will and we're kind of having a, a little bit of a conversation about what happened i told him where i was from he apologized he said he loved me i said i love you more you know the whole cliche michael fan banter right yeah. um, and then he gets on his knees and he signs my cast in a couple different places he definitely noticed that the first time he did it was a little little um Hard to read, so he wanted to do it more on the plaster part. So he's very, very conscious of it, which which was nice. Then we hugged, we took a few photos, and um, I was out, escorted out, and um, I was in one of the VIP sections watching the concert. Granted, two nights ago, I was actually in the front row just watching it as a fan, so that actually um, ironically happened before I got hit. It was just a, a weird four or five days of my life, if I'm being 100% honest. Yeah. Um, because there was thing what, I, three concerts um, at Wembley. There was five. There was five. five. The history. I think they did five. Um, and you had tickets to one. Maybe it was three. I don't. You know what? I don't remember. I, maybe Dangerous was five. I know Bad was like eight or nine, and then Dangerous was maybe five. And you're right. Maybe History was three nights. Um, but I was. I, I watched the first night. I did the whole. You wait in queue, and then you run towards the front of the stadium, and you hope to get into that initial pit. So I was there. Yeah. I got that, um, and then. Um, and then the next the, the next night after I met him, I was whatever whatever night that was, second or third night, I was I was in the VIP section. And um, who else was there? Brian May from um, Queen was there. Um, a couple they were filming Star Wars the prequels uh, during that time. And again, I said George Lucas was there, but the entire that entire like uh, episode one, two, and three cast was there as well, including uh, Natalie Portman and, and a few others. So it was a very uh, exclusive sort of sort of event. It was all kind of uh, a bit overwhelming, if I'm being honest. But uh, yeah. but I also learned that um, the my story 
although it was filmed for one TV show, I winded up getting uh, picked up by a lot of the major entertainment shows in the U.S. So I was getting calls from home saying, we just saw you on Access Hollywood. We just saw you on Inside Edition. Um, it was so it was kind of cool. It was my little um, <laughs> minutes of, of fame. But anyway, I uh, all of that was it was was sort of over. I go home, I start my life. I do I, I do my I do my thing, and the next thing I know, I'm, I'm getting more involved into it, right? Because you just met Michael Jackson. How do you kind of top that? So the next thing I know, I'm kind of um, I'm in New York. I'm kind of in the communications PR world in and of itself for what I do. So the next thing I know, I'm ma- I'm forging relationships with uh, his um, his PR director and other folks. So the next thing I know, I'm I'm getting invited to a lot of events. Right, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. I'm in the front row. His uh, his tour with Rabbi Shmuley um, and what's going on on there. And at this time, I'm also writing for King Magazine, which was a fan magazine that was happening in Europe during the time. So I got I'm getting a lot of access to Michael, and I'm in the front for a lot of the front row of a lot of. A lot of events, and um, um, I, as part of this sort of King magazine, I actually also got to um, uh, throw a big party uh, for him during um, um, during his concert concert series in Madison Square Garden. So, um, uh, a big big tribute to him at Webster Hall. Literally, our party was um, was um, September 9th. His first, um, w- which was the night between his first show and his last show, which was September 10th. And obviously, we know what happened on September 11th. But two days before that, I was throwing this huge celebration from, uh, you know, um, from Michael Jackson in between his shows at Webster Hall. And I was being filmed by VH1. So the VH1 did this whole documentary on me. It was about 20 minutes long where they actually followed the the day in the life of a Michael Jackson fan. So they told my story about meeting Michael and I got to do this whole interview with them around um, just being a fan, planning the party and what Michael means to me and all that. And they interviewed me at work and, uh, you know, my friends. It was like one of the one of those things. But anyway, uh, all of that um, to be said is that I had done a lot of press on behalf of Michael and and really tried to help. And I've met him on many, many, many occasions. Um, the point where I knew, I know he knew, I know he recognized me, but I, he didn't know my name. Do you know what I'm saying? It's one of those like, um, like where's Waldo situations. Oh, that's, there's that guy, right? Because his people had made sure that I was sort of front and center, you know, in some of those events, you know, like, um, I was the front row at the 30th anniversary tour in in New York. Um, I, I, again, I talked about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, ceremony, but um, a lot of these events, I was sort of front and center because I had access that that, that I didn't. And then, you know, obviously, a couple of years later after that, the you know, the world gets turned upside down. And then, you know, all of that access and all the people around him that I knew are uh, are gone and, and it sort of just sort of ended at that point. Yeah, man, there's a lot. There's a lot to your story. Um, I want to just go back to when you you met him backstage at the History Tour um, because I've seen some photos of him signing your cast and he's down on his knee, Um, but I haven't seen any official photo with you guys together. Was there a photo of you guys together, an official photo? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I could definitely send send you that. Um, And there's another photo of me and Michael backstage at Webster Hall. Um, which I like is my favorite. Um, it's so funny. I, I show I actually I show anyone any of those pictures, and they're like, "There's there's, there's no way that that's him." And I'm just I have to tell the story, <laughs> um, you know. But I'm an adult now. I have kids. It, like it's hard to I don't. 
it's not that I proactively bring it up. I mean, I was even hesitant having this conversation. It's just not that I'm embarrassed and not at all just the opposite, but I just, I feel like I'm a point in my life where that was so long ago. Um, yep. I'll get it. Um, but yeah, being up, it's so funny. I, um, this weekend I brought my, not this weekend, last Tuesday, I brought my six-year-old daughter to her first Broadway show. And we happened to go see MJ the musical, just, just me and her front row. Um, and it was a way to sort of, but she, I hear, I listen, I play the music in the car and she sings along and she asks me all the time, why do you like Michael Jackson so much? Blah, blah, blah. So this was my way of kind of like sharing with her, you yeah. know, the why, right? So, you know, next thing I know, we're, we're home this weekend. She's singing all the songs in her head. <laughs> you know, usually you, you bring your first kid to go see The Lion King or Aladdin on Broadway. You don't go see like a, like a, like a show like this, but I, I, I knew she was going to be able to, going to be able to handle it. She, she was so intimately familiar with the music because of me. And she's going to discover him anyway. Like kids are going to discover Michael Jackson anyway. You know, I say this all the time. You know, people talk about like, um, you know, the big 80 stars like like Bruce Springsteen or Madonna. And I say, you know, they were great. And I love them all. I have all their albums. But their, their fans, their audiences, they've aged along with those stars. So um, I think Michael is probably the only artist that continues to attract a new legion of young fans. So, I mean, when I was at the show, I mean, there were kids like in like um, seven, eight dressed up like Michael, like they're, they're not doing that for Bruce Springsteen. They're not doing that for Madonna. Like, and, and I think that's why it will, he will always be sort of recognized as probably the most, you know, and like when, when when you ask young kids today who's the who's the most famous entertainer or who's the best entertainer, you know, they're not gonna say the Beatles or Elvis, right? They might yeah. say Michael. Yeah, they might say Taylor Swift, but I think that there's there's this uniqueness around him that allows new audiences to, to discover him in a way that, that yeah. does not happen with other other musical artists from that time. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that's what he was aiming for. He always said he wanted to be timeless, and he wanted the music to live on for decades and decades, which it does. So he did a a good job there. Did you go to both thirtieth anniversary concerts? I did. I did. Now, I've heard stories of um, after the second concert, after nine eleven happened, um, fans talking about Michael reaching out and helping them. Um, get out of town or helping them with accommodation or food. Did you come across any stories like that at the time? I did not. I did not. Um, yeah. I, it, ironically, though, I had stayed overnight in New York. I live in New Jersey, which is just, you know, a state below it. Um, and I had stayed over on the night of the 10th. So I was actually getting and going to work the next morning. So I was in my car in New York, driving through the Holland Tunnel, which is a way to get from New York to New Jersey. Um, at the time that all, everything was happening. And uh, I literally from entering the tunnel to getting out of the tunnel, everything had happened. And we were out, I, you literally can see sort of everything happening because from the view from New Jersey, you can actually see the building. So it was a really sort of somber and um, like up close, you know, view of what was happening. And, you know, just ironically happening after probably one of the best days of my life, right? Being able to see this, this concert. So it was a really weird, um, unfortunate and happy time of my life. Um, I had 
um, friends I went to high school with that were in the building that were killed. Um, you could, if you lived in the area, which I do, it was hard not to know someone yeah. who was unfortunately um, uh, in that building. Um, but no, I'm for, I, I mean, I've heard those stories as well. Um, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm not aware. I, I will tell you one of the, one of the stories that I will tell you is that I went to little unknown thing that he had done, but um he winded up um, going to, um, and we were invited because, again, I knew the PR people and, and and what was going on. But he wound up doing a very low-key event in Newark, New Jersey. I don't know if you know much about Newark, New Jersey, but it's a very um, urban, at the time, very disenfranchised, uh, low-income community city. And he went there, um, and he was introduced by Cory Booker, who's one of the senators in New Jersey. And he was at this movie theater, and he was just giving out books um, to kids, young color, uh, 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 young kids of color, um, and, and in hopes of just fostering this, um, you know, learning and reading, um, and, yeah. and learning about the world. So, you know, I bring that one up is because you probably didn't even know that that happened. Um, but it was all around the sort of heal the kids, heal the found, heal the world sort of foundation sort of items, but it was a very low key press. It was weird seeing Michael in a New York, uh, sorry, Newark, New Jersey movie theater, handing out books to kids. It was very, 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 but I was actually, I got to meet, I got to talk to him again and I actually got three or four things signed from him, including the photo of me, the one that you just asked me, the photo of of him signing my cast. I actually got him to sign the photo of me in the cast. Uh, So he definitely knew who I was. That's unreal. And I did know about that story, but only because I researched all the all the, the positive things he's been doing and, and the humanitarian side. But yeah, there's stories a lot like that, that that aren't out there. And that's really just why I wanted to document this chat and every chat I can, because um, I don't want these stories to get lost. And in the research that I did for my book, there's so many, of course, when Michael, when you're dealing with sick kids and, and people with, you know, illnesses that are terminal, um, a lot of the stories pass with the people that uh, that hold those stories um so and there's people that i had my book came out in 2018 and i've tried to maintain um some conversations with people that told me their story um, or that were going to tell me their story and there were some people that were going to tell me their story that have passed away since and um, it just made me realize oh no i want to speak to everybody i want to get all these stories because you know we're not forever and um, there's enough crap written about him that I'd like some of the good stuff to be written as well. Um, yeah, no, I definitely, I've definitely come across your your uh, uh, your work and always thought, obviously, it was a way of you know, you know, shining a spotlight. You know, I, 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 you know, for me, every every person has their um, not pros and cons, but they have their you know th- their life, and it's multifaceted, and there are things that people gravitate towards and people not um some things are true some things are not but for me i think the part of michael that has always been um not misunderstood but really no one really kind of focused on because they're so busy focusing on other things is is certainly the humanitarian efforts and i know that there's like this guinness book of world records thing and i get all that but i don't really think that's what it means it's not about the 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 crossing the crossing the the T's and dotting the I's. It's actually the the stuff that 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 came out of it. Um, yeah. And I think even even my story. I mean, if you think about it, it's it's a fan who got um, hurt, um, and you could tell that he was certainly 
um, not happy about it. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some people got you know fired <laughs> as a result because he was very protective of his fans, but him reaching out and doing, doing the, doing the right thing, at least by me, uh, was important. And of course, all my medical bills were paid for, but, you know, a small, a small drop in the bucket of, of the kindness that, that, that he would uh, give to, to his fans for sure. Yeah. Do you still have the cast? I do. Have you got that in like a glass case or something, or is it just? Um, I don't. I've been, moved a few times, so um, I have it wrapped up, and it's in a it's in a safe spot. Um, you know, my my guess, my gut tells me that in thirty years, you know, I could give it to my kids, you know, when I pass away, and then they yep. could do whatever they want with it as it relate as it relates to to that. Um, but yeah. I have, so cool. I, have of, I have a lot of memories. They're mostly in my head. Um, I used to be the fan that collected all of the, all of the memorabilia, and I have some of them boxes. I just, you know, I you just stop. Um, yep. Although I have friends in the U.S. that, uh, oh god, they're 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 they it's just as prevalent as it was, <laughs> you know, years ago. And, I, and God bless them, but like their whole house, you know, and they got wow. kids themselves. It's literally walking into. Uh, into a museum and I, and I, and I appreciate it. And uh, I live, I live vicariously through them to be honest, but um, yeah. at some time, at some point we have to, we have to grow up and just admire the the music. Do I, did I buy the thriller 40 anniversary album? Of course I did. Did I go see MJ the musical three times? Yes. Did I go see the yeah. Vegas show twice? Of course. Um, yeah. You can still enjoy his work. You just do it differently. That's right. Uh, you well, know, life's a lot busier now with kids and a family and, You've got a lot of other priorities. Uh, for sure. And I feel like, um, you know, I ha- I'm also at a point in my life where I can, it's it's ironic, I can take a trip to Vegas to see the show. Like I can, you know, I can afford to do that stuff. So I'd rather, I, I'd rather do that. I'm going to see a Diana Ross front row on June 24th. Cool. Um, um, and I'm going to wear my Michael shirt. And I'm, I'm hoping... My, I'm hoping because I'm, I'm literally in the front row, like right in front of her. She's yeah. gonna see it, and she's gonna she's gonna say something, do something, and, and uh, say something nice. So that's that's my goal, and I'll let you know if that happens. By the way. Yeah, <laughs> give a wink or a point. Are you going to say Janet? No, no, I've seen Janet a few times. I, you know, ironically, I never. I like Janet. I always I have bought every single one of her albums, but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't near the. The 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 the, fa- the, fa- the fascination that I that I had with yeah. Michael. I mean, I don't, I don't know what it was. I'm sure it's the same with you. It's just Imagine. the man for me was like he was he was not like of this planet. And I think I know this this is very um, controversial with MJ fans, but I think Michael always intended not to be around in his 60s and 70s. I just he even wrote it in his book, right? He doesn't see himself being a Mick Jagger, right? He literally says that. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying what you think I'm saying. I'm just saying that there's, because he died so young, he becomes sort of ageless and timeless forever, right? Moment in time where, where, and again, I think if, like you see Madonna right now, she's, she's, she's aging in a way, which unfortunately people are not appreciative of. And, you know, he doesn't have to go through any of that stuff. You know, I know that sounds weird. And of course I'd love for him to be here making music, but I feel like there's some kind of like positive aspect of him just being able to leave us with all this great work and, and for people to remember it. Uh, in a way, um, you know, where he wasn't like this 80-year-old man in some, you know, 
trying yeah. to trying to recreate something that is you know you know it's i know it's weird and i have a warped brain about it but no i get it 100 percent. that's my feel yeah 100 and you just have to go through what would have you know the last you know what happened in 2019 right like with yeah, all of that again i'm just not here to experience and see any of that stuff um yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks again for telling me your story. It's pretty cool. It's pretty unique. I'm so glad you told it. Um, and thank you. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, good luck with the good luck with the uh, ongoing effort, and uh, I'm looking forward to catching up and reading, reading all about it. Till then, take care.